Hello, Hoosiers. And welcome back. I'm Alex Hardgrave. And I'm Allie Melnick. And you're listening to Posted, a podcast by the Indiana Daily Student. Today, we'll be talking with reporters Colin Culpa and Alex Darren about their findings with IU Athletics attendance, as well as sports reporter Tyler Tashman about his feature story on table tennis twins at IU. Now I want to welcome sports reporter Tyler Tashman to talk about his table tennis feature story. So, welcome, Tyler. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, so if you want to just give us a brief overview of your story first for listeners that haven't had a chance to read it yet. Yeah, so the story is about two brothers, they're freshmen at IU, um, Sharon and Gal Alguetti. Um, and they're currently, actually today is the first day of the Olympic trials for them, their first matches, where they're trying to um, qualify for the Olympic team in table tennis. So, like I was saying, they're freshmen here at IU. Um, when they were 15 in 2016, they were trying to qualify um, for the Rio Olympics, and they ended up falling short. Sharon came up one uh, place short of uh, making the team. Oh, wow. So, that's, I guess that's just like kind of the main idea of the yeah. story. So how did you hear about them or meet them? Well, it was, it was actually, uh, the editor in chief, Lydia, um, she, uh, I've been talking about this story for a while, I guess. And then one of the sports editors, um, approached me about it. And I just thought it was a really interesting story because for most people, ping pong is just like a recreational activity. It's not something you would actually think about doing like really competitively. So I just thought it was a very intriguing story. And then meeting them, they were just very, like I would say very like down to earth, very humble. Not like the type of athletes you would see like on the basketball team where I'm not saying like the athletes (laughs) on the basketball team would be like, you know, like really like, you know, cocky or anything, but like they're obviously not as high, you know, like they're not well known. They're not going to mm-hmm. be walking around campus and, you know, people don't necessarily know who they are. Mm-hmm. So it was just really interesting, um, you know, hearing their story. They're from, uh, they grew up like eight years of their life in Israel. They were actually, yeah. they were born in the United States, then moved to Israel when they were infants and lived there up until they were nine. And then they moved back to the United States. So they came here only speaking Hebrew. They didn't know anything, any English at all. So they had a go through that whole process of learning it, like not only a new culture, but also a new language. And that, I mean, I think that's one thing that has really helped them throughout their life talking to them is that they've endured a lot of changes. And then coming to IU is another change as freshmen. Obviously, everyone has, you know, all everyone here knows it's a big change to come to college. Yeah, definitely. And not only that, but when they had to move to the U.S., that was a huge thing too. And they've always kind of leaned on each other to like, through those times, like they've leaned on family and that's been a huge thing for them. And they're twins, right? Yeah, but they're not identical. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, is there like a history of table tennis at IU? Is that a sport that lots of people on IU's campus play? (laughs) I mean, the short answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do we have like table tennis team? Yeah. Yeah, So they're, they're actually on the table tennis club right now. Okay. And talking to the coach, um, the two brothers have kind of revitalized it. It's not, I mean, it was something that people did, but these, the two brothers, I mean, they're coming in and they, they won their regional tournament. I think it, it was in late January, mostly because of the two brothers, like 
there's other guys on the team, but they're like really leading the team. Mm -hmm. And um, they think that they can make the national tournament, which is like huge. For, it's a huge deal for them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've come in. And the thing that stood out to me, too, is that they were talking about how, how helpful the brothers have been. They're not like self-centered at all. They didn't even have to be on the club team if they didn't want to. They could easily have just driven to their own tournaments and did their own thing. But they decided to, you know, try to help the, you know, build the club here. And they're really helpful in trying to assist the uh, other players. And like there was in that tournament that they won, uh, the coach told me that they pulled, you know, one of the uh, other their teammates in the game and you know, gave them some advice. They just stopped the match and just gave them some advice, which, I mean, it just seems like very selfless. Yeah, wow. How did they get so good at table tennis? D did you talk to them much about that? Yeah, so their dad introduced it to them when they were about nine, eight or nine years old. And in Israel, I mean, table tennis is not like a huge thing at all. Mm -hmm. So they actually spent most of their time playing soccer. Um, and then when they, then they started, they had a, they wanted to decide between either soccer or table tennis to really focus on. And they decided to go with table tennis because that they felt like their family would support them more with that. And then oh. <laughs> was it like a family sport? Yeah. <laughs> game? Well, yeah. So they actually have an older brother and he was in their mm -hmm. father passed it on to him too. And their father trains people to play table tennis. So like that was kind of his thing, I guess. Okay. And then when they came to the U S that's when they're game like just took off immensely because they had um you know they had better facilities mm -hmm. better coaches they were playing against much better players than in israel because especially because israel is just not a huge country so the comp level of competition is just not as good mm -hmm. interesting so you okay. mentioned today's their first day of olympic trials yes H have you been getting any updates or? I, I have not yet i'm gonna be i'm gonna be on it um I think the matches were starting at like 12 today. Okay, um, cool. And so there's two spots open right now on the Olympic team. And so here's, a, here's hoping. There's Is it a, possible that only one of them there, could get on the yep, team? Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know if, if it, like the two of them no, had to yeah, play together. It, okay. It's singles. So wow. one of them could get it. I mean, there's two spots, so they could both be on it. But Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess we're wishing them the best. That'll be really cool. Will, will that be like probably a follow-up story? Yeah, yeah. I'm, awesome. I'm definitely interested to okay. see how they do. Great. And you don't think there'll be any blad, blad blood? Wow. <laughs> Bad blood if only one of them makes it? I mean, I don't. I wouldn't think so. They seem like they they said they're best friends. So like. No, oh, that's cute. I, I, I wouldn't think so, but yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. Um, and you got the chance to play against them, right? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, yes. So can you tell us first off, like how that came about and um, how it ended up? Well, the first thing I said, I was I played Sharon just singles. It was mm. me, me and him. I, the first thing I was like, "Don't take it easy on me." Oh my gosh! I, oh, I was no. like, I, like, I would have been like, "Please take it easy on me." No, I was like, I really want to see what this is like. And I'm not trying to brag or anything, but <laughs> as, as a regular person, not trying to qualify for the Olympics, I feel like I'm a good ping pong player. Okay. Like, I, I've won some family tournaments before, so I feel like I'm pretty okay. versed in the ping pong Mr. Universe. Ping Pong yeah. over here. <laughs> and, and so I was thinking, you know, maybe I'll win a couple points. I don't know. They're obviously insane. So, yeah. so I just go and serve it to them. And, I mean, it's just like you just automatic. It just be like a slam back, and I could just do nothing about it. Like, I would just stand there. Like, it's just it was a, absolutely another level like mm -hmm. I could barely even see the ball we heard you got one point I did get one point <laughs> I, I lost 20 points and I won one point so I'll take what I can get 
and it was from him hitting it out. So yeah, I, so I mean, I'll <laughs> that's take, still a win. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah still I'll a take win it. For sure. <laughs> and, and the serves were ridiculous. I mean, so he would just hit it, and the spin would just like I thought I would the paddle would be right there. Like oh yeah, I'm just gonna knock it back, and then it somehow would just like spin in a direction I'd never seen before. Wow. And so That's it crazy. it was quite an experience. And it, <laughs> it humbled me as a ping pong player. I gotta, I gotta go to the SRC and work on my game a little bit. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Is, is, is there anything else you want listeners to know about the story? Uh, I don't I mean, I just think it was just something that's very unique. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see it, stuff like this that often. And I think it's just a testament to how talented they are like they are like some of the best in the world and at at 15 um if they would have qualified in the 2016 Rio Olympics they would have been the youngest Olympians since Michael Phelps so to try to put that into perspective and they would have been the first Olympians born in the 21st century so oh wow and they've already (laughs) actually signed like when they were younger too they signed a um, a contract with a like a company so they wear like a table tennis company so they wear their <laughs> shirts and stuff so it's like Le- I, think, I love that yeah wow. I, like, like LeBron I think signed his contract with Nike or something when he was like 18 or 19 and they would have been like way much below that just to try to like put it in a context of like how good yeah. they are they're the LeBron James they are, they are the LeBron James <laughs> I love that okay well, thank, yeah, you thank you so much. much yeah thanks for having me <laughs> Now here are some of the week's top stories. IU alumnus Bob Chappick was named the CEO of Disney after former CEO Bob Iger stepped down Tuesday. Iger will remain the company's executive chairman through December 2021. Chappick graduated from IU with a degree in microbiology in 1981. Before becoming the CEO, he was chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products. Chappick worked with Disney for more than 27 years. The Bloomington Board of Park Commissioners passed new rules for the Bloomington Community Farmers Market Tuesday at a meeting that included 40 comments from the public. The new rule passed two to one with yes votes and included an outline that clarifies where people are allowed to protest. Sarah Dye and Doug Mackey are vendors at the market who have ties to the group American Identity Movement, a white nationalist group. Some argued the lack of explicit rules for market goers and vendors is what led to some arrests of protesters such as Kara Kadu, an IU instructor who was arrested last summer for protesting at the market. IU women's basketball gave the program an 81-53 victory over Nebraska on Thursday. IU's victory gave the program a double bye for next week's Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis. IU men's basketball lost to Purdue Thursday night 57-49. Purdue has now beaten IU seven straight times since 2017. Finally, top-ranked point guard Christian Lander has committed to IU basketball. He is a player from Wrights High School in Evansville, Indiana. He is a five-star recruit and ranked number 11 overall player in the nation. There's a possibility he will leave high school a year before expected graduation to play earlier. IU football head coach Tom Allen suspended redshirt sophomore tight end Peyton Hendershot from all team activities indefinitely Monday, according to a statement from IU football. Hendershot was arrested late Saturday night on charges of felony residential entry and misdemeanor domestic battery, criminal conversion, and criminal mischief. Now we have reporters Colin Culpa and Alex Darren to talk about IU Athletics ticket statistics. That is a mouthful, but welcome, guys. Yeah, Hi, thank you for thanks, us. For, Hi thanks for coming and talking to us today. Um, so, yeah, can you first, for people who haven't read the story, summarize um, what you found in your research and your reporting? Want to talk about the trends? Yeah, I can start. So uh, Alex and I, um, 
Alex was the beat photographer for the football season this year, so she was going following the team across the country, and I'm, and I'm a fan, so I was at a lot of home games. And um, You also came with me. Yeah, I came. We went on a trip to Penn State, and we saw this 110,000-seat uh, football stadium filled. filled to the brim. There were a couple like a couple empty seats, but for the most part, um, I think the official statistics for that game were 106,000 people came to watch these college athletes play football. Wow. The weather was terrible, but... Yeah, it was very cold, below freezing. They but stayed. They stayed. Wow. They stayed, and they went... Couldn't be us. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing, because the, the very next weekend, um, it was the final home game of the IU football season, and it was, it was a little rainy, but it was a very successful IU football team. This year was their most successful season since 1993. They won eight games. Had a winning record in the Big Ten Conference, which they also haven't done since that 93 season. And only 83% of the stadium was full um, when you look at the statistics. And that was a that was kind of uh, shocking to both of us. We were like, this is um, one of the biggest sports in America, one of the biggest conferences in America. Why? And also, is... we've gotten so much better. The team yeah. itself has gotten better tremendously. So it was just really strange to see that the seats were empty, especially at halftime. Yeah, at the beginning of the 2010s, IU football went a whole season. They went 1-11. They won one game the whole season. And this year, they made one of the most historic bowl games in um, college football, the Gator Bowl. The Gator Bowl. So, well, because of that, we wanted to go look at the attendance figures. So um, We want to see how the Gator Bowl um, is going to affect attendance this upcoming year. Yeah. We're trying to predict and see... What's going to happen? I think that's the intrigue is what is going to happen to IU football, um, because what we've noticed in the trends is that IU football and men's basketball seem to correlate with one, one, one another mm-hmm. and mirror one another. And um, it's kind of strange because you can have your opinions on men's basketball. Uh, it depends on how you look at their season this year. But uh, what we're really focused on is the football season this past year was outstanding. Uh, so regardless of how men's basketball does, we want to know. And we want to try to predict how well, like how well are they going to do next this upcoming year, and how is the attendance going to show? You know. Yeah, absolutely. We um. So what I did, um, I did more of the stats behind the story. Yeah. Um, we pulled attendance data from the NCAA, which all schools report to the NCAA, just to kind of get a turn for things. Sometimes you'll see articles like um, I forget who published it, but there was a story from a major news outlet uh, around December that was saying like. Clemson University, Ohio State University, big football schools were seeing declines in attendance that also kind of factored into it. Like, is it happening here? And we found out, well, yeah, kind it of. It is, yeah. Um, since uh, 2013, IU basketball has had a more than 10% drop in attendance, and that was a year where they made the NCAA tournament. And since then, they've made more NCAA tournaments. they made postseason tournaments. They've had winning records, but their like average the capacity has fallen 10%. Like, um even after sharing the story on Facebook, I, uh, a professor from Indiana State University found it and commented, um, while I was at the Michigan State game and the supposed best fan base in, in men's basketball left the balcony open, like there were op- open seats in the balcony. Um, it's weird, it's really weird. At Assembly Hall, it, uh, Assembly Hall, they'll tend to say in the attendance records, like it was at full capacity or everybody was there. And then we'll look and we'll notice in the stands, that's just not the case. So it's really intriguing to see, and we're uh, the next, the next big thing will probably be trying to figure out maybe like how. So are those ticket sales being counted for every person like before the people go in? Like, cause you know students have to purchase tickets uh, before the game mm-hmm. that they they order season tickets. The next thing I think I'm wondering is okay, so 
they'll say assembly hall for the uh, men's basketball is at full capacity, but we'll look at the balcony and there it will not be at full capacity. So are they counting the ticket sales prior to the game or is it when the students like come in and get their tickets scanned? And if so, is it just because they're leaving? I, I like, that's like the next big question yeah. I think. And uh, a couple of key points we found were, um, yeah, men's basketball looks like it's setting a trend for football attendance. So in, I both, talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about that for a sec. Both um, IU men's basketball and IU football, their, the way we calculated it was we figured out the average uh, attendance by capacity. So, like, Memorial Stadium currently holds 52,626 people. <laughs> um, if they're 83% full for the Michigan game, they're around, I think it's 44,000. I don't know the exact figure uh, off the top of my head, but that's about how full it is. Um, and I feel like we talked about it. That's a better measure of attendance because um, the amount of home games you have in a season can change from season to season. So like, oh, we sold 40,000 more tickets this year. Yeah, you also played like three more games. Like, of Mm. course, they're going to sell more tickets. So that that by capacity is like an average, like how full is the stadium on average for a game? Um, And in that 2012-2013 school year, IU football had the highest mark of the last decade, 2011 to through 2019, um, 2010, sorry, 2010 through 2019, uh, they averaged 84.6% um, attendance at home games, which is honestly not that bad. It's not that bad. It could be better, but... It could be better. And that same year, IU men's basketball averaged 99.7% attendance. So like... That's at wow. nearly full capacity. Mm-hmm. Nearly full capacity every home game. That was the year after... Um, was that uh, the year after the shot? The watch shot, the infamous uh, okay. uh, three-pointer that beat When was the last team. year that we were up, um, like that we were like, got in the tournament, and, like, there, there was a year pretty recently where we got, like, pretty far in the tournament. Like, yeah. Was um, that a big spike in attendance that um, year? Yeah, 2015-2016. Okay, um, yeah. That was the year we made the NCAA tournament, and that was 97%, 97.9% okay, average so, attendance. So that was still pretty big. That's yeah, pretty for cool. men's basketball. Yeah, so um, it sometimes does have to do with... Yeah. Sometimes has to do with their performance of the season, but sometimes not, as we yeah. saw with like the football team this Absolutely. year. Okay. And usually the big fluctuations or any fluctuation that happens in mas- men's basketball, they're still going to be in the top 15 in the NCAA in average tenants. That's what we found. Wow. Um, we didn't include that in the story because it's not really a story about the basketball tenants because it's, it's always doing pretty well regardless of the record. It's IU men's basketball. It's IU basketball. Yeah, IU. It's, it's almost mythical by yeah. its scale. Um, I think it's usually is just kind of this huge thing. TV mm-hmm. partners want to show IU basketball, even if they're winning three games a year, because it's, it's that big. true. It's huge. It, yeah. But definitely. football, the kind of... Um, we're not a football school. We're not a football school. We never have been. I, mean, I don't think. Mm-hmm. No, no. We've no. always been basketball school. <laughs> yeah. And now, it's just, I remember, I remember Colin and I didn't know each other super well. And like at the beginning, we did. But at the beginning of like last semester when football started, Colin's like, is IU a football school now? It was just an, it was just hilarious. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe. And right, right. as it progressed and we kept winning, I was like, oh my God, maybe because IU's going to be a football school now. In terms of just football success, like winning eight games is like crazy for any That's university. Huge. That's not normal. Yeah. yeah, so Alex, you were in charge of the um, reporting side of it. Can you talk a little bit more about that and yeah. who you talked to for it? Uh huh. Yeah. So what? Um, it was a little difficult at first because the way Colin and I approached it, IU athletics is really hard to get around um, for obvious reasons. They want to protect their players and they want to make sure that they aren't being attacked or 
disenfranchised in any way as like, you know, a sport. So uh, how Colin and I worked around this is we're like, okay, let's talk to IU alumni. But what's really cool is that I got to talk to some alumni that just played, like they just played in this past season where they went to the Gator Bowl. And Raekwon Jones. Raekwon Jones. Oh, wow. Yeah, he and he um, he's in the NFL draft right now. And he was super sweet and responsive. And um, he just told me about every single uh, athlete I talked to, like two or three. There were every single two or three. There <laughs> got two or three responses and they're all sweet. Um, I think the main the main uh, theme of that was they were bummed about fans leaving halfway. But it was almost like they just wanted to have that winning mentality. Like, okay, well, we just need to work harder and we need to win for them. Like, it just like, it was more of like a push for them to work harder and to work harder for their teammates. Um, So at first when I used, I used to get really upset about it. If you can even put emotion into it when I would be photographing a game and I'd be like, dang, like everybody's leaving. Why is everybody leaving? I'm having fun. I mean, I'm photographing and it was just always confusing me, confusing to me. And I always wondered, how the players felt about it, but it was, it was nice to hear that, that like they, I don't think it gets them down nearly as much as like we think. I Mm -hmm. think it's more like we aren't trying hard enough or like we can like push ourselves even harder. And I feel like it's just a really big motivator and a really big team builder. And it helps them connect better as a team to like work harder together. So, um, I don't know if you can even look at things as negatively as, you may. And also Colin and I talked about the trend of like lots of people watch everything on media, like mass media, like TV, iPhone, like Twitter, like everybody's getting the stats on social media or watching bowl games. And Colin traveled all the way down to Florida to watch the bowl game because he's a diehard football fan. But mm-hmm. like a lot of us couldn't or didn't do that. But um, they're still getting the support by students and fans just watching it on TV and stuff. So that was cool to hear. Well, yeah, because it what tends to happen at IU football games if you go as a fan, as a student, as as uh, an alumni, um, you show up, and after two quarters, IU could be in a close game. They could be up by thirty against a team like Rutgers, who's kind of not very good at football at the moment, um, or down by twenty to Ohio State, who's very good at football. And we're we're inching up. Our football team is improving, but sometimes uh, the game just isn't very compelling if you're a casual football fan. And what we saw at that Penn State game, it was fairly close. I think it was about a, a touchdown. It was it was a pretty close game. All 105,000 fans stayed. But for an Ohio State game, our smaller stadium, it holds 52,000, was had about 47,000 people there. Half of them left at halftime. Like, there's no measurable figure, but just visually, it was, like, empty. And it wasn't over. The game wasn't over yet. The game but. was not over. Oh, my God. It was <laughs> It's disheartening. And Colin who would just stand stand by as a fan would like stand the whole time and watch and like sometimes we would pull through it was frustrating so we're like why did everybody go it was it, it was just getting good you see yeah, alumni Raekwon Jones he said um, it is frustrating at first to see students leaving but eventually the team would realize that they were going to play it out for each other and the true fans who would stick it out for them so um, that just goes back to what I was saying about how I don't think the fans leaving is as disheartening to the players as it, as we all think, but mm-hmm. I do um, I do find it interesting to see how their success is going to play out with attendance records and like how how is the student body going to react? I mean, is it going to yeah. stay the same? Or are they just going to continue to watch the games on TV? It's I mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen. And that's kind of what we found is there's two sides to it. There's the side where 
head football coach Tom Allen is implementing a new culture that IE football doesn't have, like the LEO, the love each other kind we of mentality talk, yeah. is, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, Let's talk about that. that's what the football talk players are using to, um, they're using it to kind of just like, it'll be okay. We're going to get through this and we're going to push. And we're going to make this a good program. So they're working really hard. Come. And on the flip side of that, oh, you want to talk about, well, LEO. it's just like, yeah. Also side note, which I find just so oh, like heartwarming is like Colin got this amazing shot when we drove all the way to Penn state. And then, <laughs> Um, it was the shot of Tom Allen and he's at the front of the tunnel and the whole entire team is behind him and they're all holding this LEO paddle. And like, obviously Colin just said, LEO means love everyone. It just like goes to show that like the program is changing and the attitude towards the game is changing a bit. I think it's like a different vibe for the entire team. So I think that's, that also just, I think that also feeds into the reaction I got from some of the alumni, how they weren't negative towards the IU student body and they were very forgiving and accepting and not so much even upset. They were just very loving and understanding of the situation and they're like in like the very heart of it. So I thought yeah. that was cool. So that's the emotional side, obviously. Yeah, that's the emotional side. <laughs> the statistical side <laughs> doesn't, um, <laughs> at least at the moment, the, his, the history of the last decade, it doesn't look like football. We love each other. <laughs> no. <laughs> doesn't. It doesn't look like football can be independent from men's basketball attendance. So in 2012, the 2012-2013 season, IU reached number one overall in the AP polls multiple times, made the NCAA tournament. Um, I believe that year they made a sweet, sweet 16, which is pretty good. That's the top 16 teams mm -hmm. in men's basketball in a competitive tournament. Um that following year, football attendance was 83.7% uh, average attendance, which is pretty good. That's above average. Um, but that next men's basketball season, they did not make the NCAA tournament. And football attendance dropped to 78.7% on average. That's um, nearly a 6% drop statistically. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a trend we saw. Um, the hmm. graph we have, if you read this article online or find a paper, um, <laughs> I think there's a no new one on stands now, but, um, <laughs> they follow each other. They follow each other. If men's basketball attendance goes up, football attendance will go up. It's crazy. In the last decade. And if men's basketball attendance goes down, which is usually determined by the success of men's basketball alone, football attendance will go down. And mm. we're entering a new decade where tides could be shifting. Maybe not football taking over as the number one, but, um, outgoing athletic director, Fred Glass mentioned a lot in his press conference that I got to photograph in December and went back and rewatched. Um, he talked about the institutional changes they made to football to try and make it viable financially. Um, they're institutional. They're not going away because he's retiring. They'll be there for a while. So football isn't going to have a meteoric collapse where they're back to mm -hmm. one win, a, one win a season, unless something happens, something major changes. Um, but if they keep winning, can they independently grow attendance? Can they get more people to show up regardless of what men's basketball is doing? Because it appears men's basketball is going to make a tournament this year. Mm -hmm. They're on track for it. They just lost to Purdue, but they're still in a good position. I think most um, predictions have them as like a 9 or 10 seed in a, a region. But that would history would indicate football attendance will go up because of men's basketball, not because IE football made a Gator Bowl. So what would be interesting to follow up in next football season is see how dramatically did it increase? Did it follow the previous increases? Did it like, is every game selling out now? Like that would indicate maybe something's changing. Maybe football is finally getting to a point where it can be independent of men's basketball. All right, well, you guys pretty much answered 
all our questions, yeah, I yeah. think. As you went so, through yeah. it. So that's, if, is there anything else that you want readers, listeners to know? Um, Go to sports. Yeah, it was. It, go to sports. It was, <laughs> go to sports. It was interesting. Um, I followed our analytics after the story published just to kind of see where the discussion oh, was happening because usually stories really like well. this will get posted on forums. Or yeah, some kind of thing. lots of people. And a lot of them, there were a couple comments that were like, why is this a hit piece on IU Athletics? It's absolutely not a hit piece on IU Athletics. It's just reporting what the statistics say. Mm-hmm. But um, there was some discussion on how influential TV is nowadays. And we devote a section of the article to yeah, media coverage to media coverage and income where Fred Glass said in that December press conference, they have to push for millions of dollars in fundraising to cover what they could be getting in football uh, attendance revenue. And also um, some commenters on, I believe it was the rivals.com forum. It's a media outlet for sports. Um, I know we have some sports media kids that are involved in that here at IU. But um, some commenters were saying, like, TV's influential in when games start. I, multiple games this season started at noon. And mm-hmm. even as a passionate football fan, I came from growing up with football teams my whole life, I don't really want to go see IU play a lowly Eastern Illinois team at, like, noon or something. Yeah. Like, that's not something I want to do. And that's something TV schedules can determine. Even Purdue playing IU in men's basketball on a Thursday night, <laughs> that— that isn't a really appealing time because it's midterm season that schools across the nation, like you don't want to go watch a men's basketball game necessarily. Yeah. So TV is influential in attendance as well. And that would be something to look into, I think, in the future. Also, it's very niche. It would be really cool to study um, specifically IU and Purdue men's basketball and football games like just on their own. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we uh, when I... Colin attended the game and I went to photograph the game away game at Purdue. At Purdue. And I noticed that the stadium was not packed at Ross aid. Um, this is a huge game, biggest game of the year to open bucket. And then IU. it was a very tight the entire yeah, time, double overtime, double, three point game, insane. It was insane. It's it was what like, you want as a football fan. You want to watch games like you that. want to watch it. It was the most entertaining game I've ever watched. So I mean, at IU, so well, at, not at IU with at, IU with IU with IU. So, um, it would be interesting to start um, comparing later on the football attendance in terms of Ross State and Memorial and how those go in between. Hmm. Yeah, and that's kind, that of like a, be. that's kind of like a parting thing, kind of thinking about that. Um, in 2014-15, I, we also pulled the football statistics for all 14 schools in the Big Ten Conference, hmm. which there are 14 schools in the Big Ten. Yeah, that's <laughs> not a factor. That is correct. But um, they, they averaged 90.3% capacity, so that's – all the schools combined, all the people that attended, divided by capacity, that math we run, we did it for the whole conference. Um, last year, um, it fell down to 87.4%. Mm. So that's uh, uh, that's like a three and a half, four 4% drop. Um, and that's consistent. Like attendance across the board is declining. Um, and I think for passionate fans that are hearing this, if you want your team to be good, regardless of whether you're an IU fan, a fan of Minnesota, a fan of the Indianapolis Colts, whatever it is, professionally, um, or even at a high school level, if you break it down, if you want your team to be good, you have to go to the games. You can't just watch oh, it on TV. so true. Mm-hmm. Go to the games. Good so yeah, parting message would be, go to the games. <laughs> All right. Games. Well, I, I'm very guilty of leaving halfway through games, so maybe I won't do that. You're into the problem. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, That's true, I go though. to one game a season. Boo. You can guess what game it is. Yeah, the, Ohio, the Ohio, Ohio. <laughs> State game. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for yeah, your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
To read all the stories we've mentioned today and more, visit IDSnews.com. Tune in next week for your weekly recaps and deeper dives into stories. Until then, I'm Allie. And I'm Alex. And this has been Posted. Hosted by the gals with the mostest.